0: Love Talk Radio. And welcome to Community Garden Revolution. My name is Mary Huckle and we have a jam-packed show today. I'm very excited because we're going to get some information about uh, the Farm Bill and also what India's uh, stance is. Uh, about the SNAP uh, possible ch- food changes, you know that are happening that they're uh, proposing inside the the uh, farm bill, and so we're going to be having Emily weikert Bryant, who's the executive director of the Feeding Indiana's Hungry, and she's going to give us their view or their stance of what they feel uh, that they are going to do to help uh, people in the state of Indiana, and also how she feels uh, that people should. Uh, contact uh, the different lawmakers to give their views of the situation also so we're going to find out what it is that they feel or what they think is a good way of doing things and you know et cetera. Et cetera. so she's going to be on later on the show today uh, but we've got all kinds of other things to talk about and so uh, just hang tight with us uh, we've got um, a nice uh, clip that's from the usda as a matter of fact and it's going to be giving you information to uh, tell you about what holds true for the food producers and possible shoppers for this year. And so we're going to go ahead and go right into that. And we're, of course, uh, going to uh, remind you about the American Community Gardening Association to uh, be sure that you do register your community garden if you have the opportunity. Uh, It gives an opportunity for folks to know excuse me, uh, that you are doing a community garden. I apologize. The, the air in the Midwest here has gone up and down, up and down. My sciences are whacked out the last three or four days. So hang tight, and um, we're glad you're here today. It's such an honor to have you here. You're listening to Community Garden Revolution, and we're going to go ahead and listen to that clip from the USDA. So hold one second here.
1: This is where we talk about really kind of the state of the agricultural union, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue opening up the USDA's annual Outlook Forum the other day, and he frankly said the current state of the ag union is what he called troubling. Farmers are facing pretty serious challenges these days. Commodity prices have fallen, while the cost of operations have increased. And that will most likely be true again for this year. But for food shoppers, the news is not too bad. We'll take a look at prospects for our food producers and consumers on this edition of Agriculture USA. I'm Gary Crawford.
0: We are forecasting farm income to decline.
1: For what could be the fourth year in a row, this from Agriculture Department Analyst Carrie Litkowski. She says the prices for many farm commodities have also fallen over the last four years, and they are in general expected to stay low again this year, taking incomes down.
0: Net cash farm income is forecast to be down about 5%, while net farm income, a broader measure of income, which includes non-cash items as well as cash items is expected to decline almost seven percent.
1: Net cash income at the projected $92 billion will be the lowest in nine years, the net farm income figure the lowest in 12 years. She says there's no one reason for this but a combination of things, including... ...declines in both livestock and crop cash receipts of about a percent or less. And we're also seeing, uh, we're expecting to see a drop
0: in federal government direct payments to farmers and then a modest increase in
1: production expenses. This long-term four-year trend in falling farm incomes has some people concerned because some of us remember what happened in the 1980s. There's no way that we can survive without some help. What we have is a real potential depression. 1979, a rally of farmers in Washington, D.C. They came here on tractors to bring attention to what was later called the farm crisis. They were hit by low crop prices, staggering increases in production costs, and high loan interest rates. Thousands of farmers were losing their farms and their homes to foreclosure. So naturally, many people wonder if that's going to happen again. At the forum, the USDA's chief economist said farmers and the farm economy are not in as bad a shape as back during the farm crisis of the 80s. But Rob Johansson said there are some, to use his and Secretary Perdue's words, there are some troubling trends. First, looking at farm debt.
2: The current levels of debt are approaching the levels we saw back in the 1980s at more than $400 billion.
1: And troubling trend, too.
2: Borrowers are finding it hard to maintain payments on both operating real estate loans.
1: Trend three, the percentage of farmer debt compared to assets, has been rising. It's about 13% now, nowhere near the 22% of the 80s, but still growing. And trend four has to do with interest rates.
2: Interest rates as a share of net farm
1: income have been increasing more steeply than has the debt-to-asset ratio, a serious trend that we are going to continue to follow. Or as Agriculture Secretary Purdue put it, That's not a path to prosperity. Now, one good trend so far, farm bankruptcies, still very low. In 1987, 23 out of every 10,000 farmers declared bankruptcy. Last year, the rate was only 2.5 farm bankruptcies out of every 10,000 farms. Also, before 2014, farmers had several years of getting very high prices for their products, which put them in a better position to weather the bad times. But now let's go from the farm to the grocery store. Now, we food shoppers have had it uh, good over the last two years. Food prices went down in 2016, down again in 2017. The last time we had two years in a row of falling food prices was a long time ago when these songs were hits. How much
0: is that doggy in the 1953. 54. And
1: 1955. But after two years of falling food prices at the grocery store, 2018 could bring an increase. Economist Anne-Marie Koons tracks retail food prices for the Agriculture Department. Uh, Back at the beginning of the year, she was projecting grocery store food prices this year to rise from 1%, maybe up to 2%. However, at USDA's Outlook Forum, she lowered that forecast.
0: In 2018, we're expecting grocery store prices to rise between half and and 1.5%.
1: Coons says one reason food prices could rise is rising energy prices
0: this has the potential to drive up costs for transportation food processing and also retail overhead
1: ah but one thing to remember all of these forecasts that we've heard here are being made very early in the year before crops are even planted in the ground anything as we know can happen in agriculture usa i'm gary crawford reporting for the u.s department of agriculture in washington
0: and thank you, Gary Crawford. And we're going to be hearing uh, the side of uh, Feeding Indiana's Hungry on uh, what their thoughts are as far as the proposed Farm Bill and the SNAP program uh, and the possible food change uh, that may be happening to folks uh, that get the SNAP program. Um, it's going to be interesting. Here she is. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get ready to uh, introduce you uh, to her. Uh, her name is Emily Wykert bryant She's executive director of the Feeding Indiana's Hungry, and she's going to give us her stance of what they're wanting to do about the uh, proposed farm bill and uh, the SNAP uh, food change that's being proposed. She's going to tell us first what their group does, then she's going to tell us, um, you know, what uh, they feel about the situation, and then what they're going to do uh, about it on their part. So, uh, Miss Emily, uh, you, you, it's funny, you came right at the right time. <laughs> Excellent. How are you today? Yeah, fine, thank we just you. heard a uh, clip from the USDA about uh, what was the outlook for uh, 2018 uh, for food producers mm-hmm. and the shoppers and the food prices and that kind of thing. So it was just perfect timing. <laughs> So, gal, Excellent. tell us, tell us- First, yes, I'm so glad you're here today. Tell us first about what Feeding Indiana's Hungry is about, and you know, to kind of give them a, because we've had you on, I think, about two, three years ago, and uh, give them an idea of what you're about, and then let's go right into it about the farm bill, uh, you know, what is it that you all have gleaned from it, and uh, what do you see that's helpful or not helpful, and what do you feel that you're going to be doing about it? So uh, it's it's your show now. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Feeding Indiana's Hungry is the state association of Feeding America affiliate food banks. So we represent the 11 Feeding America food banks that serve part of Indiana somewhere. Uh, and those range a- across the state as well as there's two out of state who serve into Indiana and some of the, the outlying metro areas. What we do is we, we Our job is to bring together the the public and the private sectors to efficiently and effectively do what we can to help feed hungry Hoosiers. Uh, And we do that through running some programs for the food banks, but we also do a good amount of public education and advocacy, and and that's where the Farm Bill fits in. As far as what we are hearing, we're hearing about as much as anyone else is. There's there's not a a bill that's been shared yet, um, but we understand that there are elements to uh, the House agriculture chairman's plan that are are beginning to leak out, Um, and that's the point where we're sort of stepping in and beginning to respond to that. So we don't have all the details, but what we're seeing about Chairman Conaway's plan, at least from the SNAP proposal, um, that it would do extensive damage to the program and to its beneficiaries. And and here in Indiana, in February, which is the, the last data that we've seen reported, there were about 623 1,000 uh, Hoosiers who were participating in the SNAP program with an issuance into the state just for that month of February, which would be the benefits that were being spent, to the tune of about $73 million. So that's the, the investment into the community. What that's we a lot see about of money. Farm Bill proposal, it is. It is. It's, it's about $117 even per recipient. Uh, and those are, again, the February numbers. Those that data comes out on a little bit of a lag from the Indiana Family and Social Services Administration. But it's a good number of Hoosiers, and, and it's benefits that are being spent. It's it's only for food items. You can't use it for anything else. There's no cash assistance. That's being reinvested into grocery stores largely, uh, the the large chain stores, um superstores and supermarkets there's about 5000 authorized retailers that participate in the SNAP program here in Indiana and for the year of, of 2016 they redeemed about 1.07 billion dollars in SNAP benefits so that's that's just being in Indiana back
0: into the, just in Indiana yes wow cuz i know walmart uh they're big they are the biggest chain in america that uh benefits mm-hmm. from the SNAP program uh, from what I've read mm-hmm. and whatever, and of course i've I've got ties with them through the foundation in my digital magazine, but uh that is something uh, go ahead, wow absolutely so so what we're hearing about this this particular
2: proposal from the start is is it would begin to punish people who are struggling to end, make ends meet and take away food assistance from millions of struggling households it would take away from that whole bipartisan nature of the farm bill. Um it's it's always very traditionally been a bipartisan bill. Um there were reports from Senator Donnelly this morning saying that the Senate side is proceeding in that bipartisan fashion which we're very happy to see. Um but what we're are, we're concerned with is that instead of you know maybe taking away this grocery money from low income families and seniors, we could focus on some different policies for job creation and boosting wages, but also on some ways to make sure that this program is working for the people who are utilizing it.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is the feedback that you're hearing? Because I know uh, from what I saw, I you know, I don't know what other people see, but I get emails from the USDA, USDA all the time. And uh, so it seemed like the first day or two, it was this way they were going to handle it. Then all of a sudden it seemed like a day or two later then it was, no, it's a different way we're going to handle it. And then it kind of, uh, you know, kind of got, more lean or, or uh, more uh, projected what they really wanted to accomplish. Is that what you all saw too, or was I, was I just because I also get news uh, releases from different people and uh, so I was piecing it together and I was like, does anybody have a memo of what it's, gonna <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, it's what going to be? So 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 you're still uh, seeing that it's going to be. So it's still formulating then, uh, evidently. Wow. So let me yes, uh, let yes. me uh, go to the part where I'm familiar with. Uh, So basically, in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is make sure that uh, we're community gardens. We do dabble with the small farms and urban farms because it is progression for job skills, and also people have the opportunity of not only eating but also making money, particularly like the vets coming back. And uh, so I am aware, I not really know, but like what you you're really into it, but I just get skimming things. Uh, that uh, basically they wanted to make sure that more. Uh, that's why they're doing the import uh, export uh, deals, you know, with different nations, and they've boosted up the export stuff uh, in beef, but uh, and a few other meats. But uh they wanted to make sure that the farmers had a chance to uh make money and that's basically from what I understand uh where they were coming from is that it was putting to uh putting more of those farmers back to work and being able to grow some items uh to be able to sell. Uh so then um uh, the also the, the did you know that the physicians and I hope I get the stern right, uh, physicians uh it was a two physicians group uh women's physicians committee on responsible medicine and they were the ones that really uh lobbied uh the lawmakers to do this uh they were the key component of the whole thing and uh so their goal was to just like where i come from uh that uh people need to eat better uh bottom line is costing uh too much in america for insurance it's costing too much for medical care and uh, I have found when I go through different periods of being unhealthy, uh, we eat vegetables and fruits daily anyway, that's us, but we're kind of different. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> it, help, it helps by eating more of those, like more fruit or, you know, have a fruit cup with three different fruits in it or whatever. It helps heal better and helps you feel a lot better when you're you're not feeling well. And I think that's where they're coming from on that part Not knowing what it could affect or not knowing what, you know, how that could be accomplished or whatever. So, is there ways of tweaking the proposal that you see that could work or is it that you all are, uh, your stance is that uh, just plain out darn give all the money to uh, the people and not look at the health or nutrition part of it? So,
2: I've not heard any any information about anything but the nutrition title. So a lot of those other pieces and, and the trade stuff apart, um, that's not really our area of, area of expertise. Um, what we are looking at within the nutrition title is, is making sure and, and advocating that there are no, no cuts, um, no barriers, and no structural changes to the SNAP program. When we're mm-hmm. talking about a, a, a benefit that really amounts to about $1. forty per person per meal, um, we're not working with a lot of capital here. We're not; those, those right. households are still working hard to to crunch that budget. And we don't get into the weeds of um, you know the nutrition aspects of it or the the, the selection process. Uh, we do believe that that client choice is essential and and something that I would point out that sort of dovetails with that. There was a USDA study about two years ago. And may, you may or may not be aware that we don't necessarily know what's being purchased. That data doesn't come from the retailers. That's it's sort of a, a gray area. Um, but there was a retailer who provided the information about what was purchased for, uh, with, for SNAP households and non-SNAP households. And this came from the USDA ERS. And what it showed us is that what's in the grocery carts of families who get SNAP and families who don't get SNAP is essentially identical. Um, so oh, I think interesting. you know, the nutrition aspect is sort of a broader issue. Um, and you can look at, you know, the most often things purchased or, or things like that. And that skews differently towards more unhealthy things simply because they're probably cheaper. Um, but you know, we come from the perspective that SNAP households are, are essentially using their income and their SNAP benefits to purchase the same sort of things that we are. So, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that folks who are utilizing the program are able to make those choices and that they're able to receive those benefits when they really need them. And so our concerns with some of the proposals that are circulating around the farm bill are that they would eliminate access to that benefit for a a number of people. Um, They would, you know, really fundamentally alter SNAP's core purpose, which is to help feed struggling Americans and, and, roll back some of the progress that's been made over the last several decades to make sure that that program is accessible, make sure that we're not creating hoops and barriers for people to jump through unnecessarily that becomes so cumbersome that they drop off the program, uh, and to make sure that people are able to get what they need when they need it.
0: Yeah, I heard first, and I think this is what the confusion was about. Uh, they came out that there was going to be uh, some kind of delivery service, of a box of vegetables to people, and they were going to pick out what the items were and then deliver to everybody. And I thought, wow, that's going to be expensive. But in the end, what they were getting uh, st- uh, stiff from the um, two different areas, and I forgot what it was. The banks was one of them because they were adding fees on the uh, things of uh, doing the monies people or getting it to them or holding it or whatever it was and then some other group and so they were going to save i think one point some odd billion dollars just from all these different fees that were being collected and i don't know if it was per state or if it was uh the whole country or whatever and then a day or two later then i got another email and it said uh well we've looked at this and we think what we're going to do is that uh if they want us to deliver the vegetables and we'll put it in a box for them and they can call or they can go ahead and have a separate card and then have uh X amount of dollars, half of their monies, uh on the card that has to go to uh fruits and vegetable items. Now that's the the second uh second day that I heard. I don't know what the thing is out there right now, but um uh, I don't know where the second card was coming from, or what was going to happen there, or whatever. Then I began to think, because I'm aware in our in our town uh, in the Midwest here, that um, some of these people only get $17 a month. $17. I, I would ho- I would hope those people don't have like you know, um, $8.50 that goes to the food and $8.50 whatever. Uh, that's concerning on that part. Uh, but I do look at the part where the doctors are coming in and it's another group and I can't think what the hey uh the other one is. I don't know if it's the medical American Medical Association or what, but I remember it's the physicians committee for uh responsible medicine that really was pushing this. And uh, they had said, look, it, you know, it is costing a lot to do medical stuff. It is costing a lot for the insurance because I know I see on Facebook all the time people are just complaining about the uh, the cost of insurance. And then also when I go to doctor's appointments because I watch over a parent myself, so I get to go twice, not only my stuff but my mom's, <laughs> and uh, people are just <laughs> – about the you know the cost of insurance and um, wow I mean I hope that can be taken care of somehow someday but um, what do you think is going to happen to, What do you think or foresee that's going to be happening in the end on this situation? Well, we're not
2: sure yet. Um, there's a good ways that we got to go on this. The the harvest boxes that you'd heard about that was part of the president's budget proposal. Um, there's nothing that I've seen that would indicate that uh, that's part of the House budget proposal, and we've not seen anything yet from the Senate um you know aside from the logistics of that, and our food banks you know regularly do boxed food for the commodity supplemental food program that's that's part of the farm bill that goes out to seniors but that's a caseload of about five or six thousand here in Indiana as opposed to you know a couple of hundred thousand households that receive snap. The bigger concern that we had with that was that it was providing a massive cut to the SNAP benefits, uh, and it was something that really could not be made up by the charitable sector. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with the food banks and how our folks operate, uh, but the food banks in our network receive most of their product donated from retail or from food manufacturers, uh, which is fantastic. So we work with all of the, the Kroger's and the Myers and the Walmarts and, and the Costco's to take food donations from them, usually of perishable items. Um, we also move a good amount of commodity food. So the TFAP, the Emergency Food Assistance Program, uh, in Indiana, all of our member food banks have the contracts to distribute that, as well as that commodity supplemental food program, which is not as big. Uh, And then our food banks purchase food as well, particularly if it's something that's um, not often donated or if it's something that they don't get enough donated of. So a lot of shelf-stable items you know, we'll, we'll buy the, the food banks, we'll purchase pasta sauce or um, food for specific programs. So a lot of our backpack programs, we need those single-serve, kid-friendly items, and, you know, we don't get several hundred thousand f- fruit cups donated per se, that sort of thing.
0: I love the um, backpack program. I think that's invaluable. I've heard that from many teachers, uh, that they were so tired, of the kids coming there to school on Mondays, and they couldn't even concentrate because their tummies were, they were just so hungry. So mm-hmm. I love that program. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's invaluable, I believe. I wanted to tell you something real it's fast. It's uh, Some farms, there's about two to four, because uh, I've interviewed two of them but, uh, in the nation, but uh, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And uh, they go out, like the farmer does his harvest, and then they go out to the fields with volunteers, and then they ask the farmer, okay, whatever it is that you don't leave on, you know, whatever it is you'll pick up and take to market, can we have that? And they use it for the food banks. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go out there, and the statistics show that 40% of the things uh, are left still out in the field that they can collect Now, they're not talking about the rotten stuff or the whatever, but the stuff that they can pick up. I think that sounds kind of high myself. Uh, I wouldn't want to leave 40% out on the field myself, but but, uh, that might be an option for food banks to uh, have the volunteers. I don't know what you do about the release of uh, liability, you know, the insurance situation. But they could go to the fields and uh, say, Mr. Farmer, you know, um, I realize that uh, you don't want to do the payroll or take the extra time to go out in your field and whatever, but maybe we go ahead and send some people out there and then pick up the extra that's falling down, you know, like pumpkins and, and, uh, you know, whatever else that may be laying out there. So that is an option because these people are doing nonprofit groups throughout the nation, and they're actually making money at it. So it, uh, I know it's kind of a slower area here in the Midwest, and we've got plentiful, plentiful fields of corn, soybeans, and whatever the hay. So uh, that's an option, too, that people might want to think about. It, there actually is a, lot of, a good amount of gleaning going on, uh, and it's, it's oh, often on a
2: case-by-case basis. We get phone calls about that uh, sometimes at, at our office. Um we often get calls and we we look for calls from um, local producers who've already picked and packed out that you know would be willing to donate or or sell it below cost um, because it is that labor intensive concept of gleaning um, but i'm I'm happy to report that a new to indiana group uh the nationally there's a group called the Society of St Andrews uh and they do gleaning that's that's their area of, of expertise and their specialty and they're, they're moving to Indiana now as well so uh that's always ongoing and then you see that a little bit with with local 4H clubs or um FFA where you know kids have those connections and they they work with them all of our food banks work very hard to have relationships with the local growers uh, and small farmers as well as you know, the more commercial facilities to be able to reach out and say, if you have product, we're able to move that. There's a taxable benefit uh, for folks to, to donate if they're a producer. Um, there's a, a federal tax benefit. There, unfortunately, is not a state benefit, um, but there is a federal benefit and there's, you know, the, the liability of that has been addressed as well. So it's, it's not an uh, it should not be difficult nor should it be a problem for a producer who's, by all accounts, using, you know, standard operating procedure, uh, to be able to donate. And so that's, you know, something that we always look for and and are happy to help facilitate. Uh, If folks contact our office, we can put you in touch with our regional food banks as well.
0: Oh, that's wonderful, gal! I'm so glad you came aboard today. Wow, what a thrill! And I'd like to uh, recontact you if it's all right for another interview when they get this bill Certainly. done to see what your stance is and what you see mm-hmm. how it's going to lay out and then how's it thinking, you know, how's it going to work and <laughs> that kind of stuff. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been Emily Weichert Bryant. She's the executive director of the Feeding India's Hungry and uh we are so glad and blessed that you came today and we will of course send this out to our different uh folks that we send things to. And we appreciate your time and wow, folks, there's a lot going on, I'm telling you, in the food industry. I told you that last year. I said this year and the next year it's gonna be boom and boy, I'm telling you, it's rolling. <laughs> well, thank you, gal. It I is. appreciate I Change appreciate for your time very much. Folks
2: are, uh, If folks are on social media, we actually have a Farm bell campaign going on called SnapWorks for Hoosiers, so you can look us up there.
0: Well, we thank you very much, and hopefully some people will sign up. I appreciate it, gal. You're listening Sounds to great. Community Garden Revolution. My name is Mary Huckel, and I'm so glad you came here today. We had a lot of information, didn't we? Have a great Community Garden Day. Thanks, Gal. I don't have a mute button, but thank you so very much for coming. I appreciate it. We'll call you when it's done.